to the Nothing But Nets podcast, the Clutch Points podcast. I'm your host, Dave Early, here with co-host Greg Dennis. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be back here with you. Looking forward to diving in. It's been another week. The Nets are still in first place. Um, recently, Steve Nash was asked, you know, you're in first place, but every time your team loses, it kind of feels like doom and gloom. And he pushed back on that a little bit. Here's, here's the quote. Yeah, I don't feel doom and gloom. I'm extremely proud of our group. You know, we face a lot of things already this year and we sit atop the East. So we've had a lot of change, 10 new guys, Kyrie not being with us, some injuries and whatnot. And so for us to put it together and be able to compete has been fantastic. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I, I would. I think, you know, the key is, he, he appears to be kind of framing this um, through having thought they'd have Kyrie and, and they don't. And, you know, here they are. So I think obviously there was the expectation that they were going to kind of be the odds on favorite, um, kind of a super team. They lose Kyrie right before the season starts. And so they've had to taper their expectations. Um I think I thought they'd still be the favorites and maybe that's not the case anymore, but I think all in all, uh, he has reason to feel good about the team. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's, he's actually brought this up on his own numerous times. Um, the way he phrases that as our continuity plan was thrown off, you know, we, we prepared this way. If you had to push back on that idea, you would say like this trio, your big three only played eight games last year and you were, you were darn good. Like you were in, you had the best offense in the entire NBA. When you had two of them, you, you were running roughshod through teams. The idea that you would have three was, was amazing, but um, maybe it wasn't this like, you know, earth shattering disaster to, to not have one of them for a while. For example, if Kyrie Irving was out with a sprained ankle, and there was nothing to talk about, but he was out. It wouldn't have come up so much. And, um, you know, they wouldn't have had that built in lower your expectations. Everything we're doing might be sort of surprising and, and good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's it's all through the uh, it, it's all, you know, depends on your expectations, depends on are you comparing them to last year's team? Um, but we've definitely learned a lot about, about what the team looks like built around these two guys, which is, um, important because it's possible that that's what they're going to look like for the rest of the season and moving forward. Yeah. Where do you, where do you stand with that right now? Just, just your gut. Do you feel like something's going to change and Kyrie's going to be out there? Do you think the team will change their stance and let him play in road games? Do you think there will be some change to the city or the vaccines? Like uh, it's a good question. It's really hard to know. I would say of the, th of the three things you just laid out there, my, I'm, I'm, my gut says I'd be most confident in Kyrie not coming back under the current circumstances. So either something would have to change um, with the rules in New York City or he'd have to be he'd play for another team. I don't see him 
deciding to suddenly uh, get vaccinated just based on reading the tea leaves, kind of knowing a bit about him and his history. And it's, it's just hard to see him now deciding something's changed and doing it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's an unpredictable guy. Um, and he's, you know, so I can't say for sure, but my, my sense is, you know, if he hasn't done it up until this point, I don't know what would, why would that would change now? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't see him. I couldn't rule it out because the the most unpredictable thing in the world is people. Um, so you couldn't rule it out like that. He just has this change of heart. I, I think back to training camp and hearing some of the players talk about it and it, they were optimistic that everyone was going to be out there. Sean Mark sounded optimistic, Kevin Durant, I think even James Harden, they kind of thought like, this is, this isn't going to, surely this won't stay this way. (laughs) Um, But here we are past a quarter of the way through the season without any change. And it's starting to feel like Kyrie's probably not going to change his mind at any point. It would be very difficult for me to imagine uh, Joe and Clara Wusai changing their organizational stance and saying, let's have him for road games. We really need that because it would look like they were compromising principles. Don't you think? Absolutely. I I don't see that either. Um, Let let me ask you this. Do you think um, the Nets relative struggles uh, would uh, lend themselves to Kyrie deciding to come back? Or, Or do you think that if the team looked really good or we're running away with the East that that could influence them. Or do you feel the team, the way they're playing, how they look without them is actually not a factor at all. That would be my gut. Like the underlying premise of what you're getting at would be sort of like was part of Kyrie curious to see whether or not he was needed. You know, you're talking about a guy who for whatever reason did not want to play with LeBron James in Cleveland as like perennial title contenders, you could basically pencil them in for the finals every year. And he said, I don't want that. I want something else winds up in Boston and and didn't seem particularly happy there either. So I, I don't think that this is related to that stuff at all. I don't think he was curious. Uh, I think it's really just him not wanting to take the vaccine. Um, A a piece came out. What, What do you think of that? before I move on. Um, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I don't think, I don't think the team and how they're faring without him plays, uh, plays into this at all. I think he's, I think he's dug in on his beliefs and, um, you know, I don't know what it would take for, for that to change, but it seems like, you know, he feels pretty strongly about it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's uh, it's unrelated. Like if they were undefeated, maybe that would say, hey, they don't need me. But like you wouldn't I mean, if you're as good at something as he is, you wouldn't want to give it up for any reason. Right. Like it's so fun to be that dominant as he is. He's like a maestro with the ball. It's true. And yet, you know, it's it's, it's tempting to put your put yourself in his shoes and and as you alluded to he he clearly is a, uh, an unorthodox guy so probably probably uh going down the wrong road <laughs> right right can't put ourselves in his shoes. We, we can look at things he said he went instagram live at the beginning of the year a lot of fans point to this when he's he basically said 
I'm not going to let any mandates, vaccines, or these regulations take away the game I love. I'm not going to retire over this. So that leaves you, if he's not going to retire, that leaves him basically um, leaving the team come free agency if nothing were to change at this point. Do you think that has increased in likelihood compared to where we were in September in your mind? You know, I think I think it's um, tempting to remember things he said and put stock in them, but you know, he he is he is uh, full of contradictions. I mean, you know, at one point, I think he I think he said, uh, alluding to that Instagram live, he mentioned that he viewed himself as a voice for the voiceless. This week, it actually was reported. That that's not the case so much as it is that he's concerned about um, the health ramifications of the vaccine. So, you know, maybe it's a little bit of everything, but um, I just think <clears throat> I just think that, um, it, you know, I, I think it's probably a lot of different things. I think that if he were to be traded, it would have to come with a, you know, a promise beforehand that he was committed to whatever team he was going to. Um, Cause there was also a report early in the year that if he was traded, he, he might just retire. So any team uh, it would be buyer beware, I think. Yeah. And I think when Sham Strani of the athletic was talking about that, the first thing he referenced was the Sixers not being interested. You know, everyone wonders what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. And that was the first team unprompted that he brought up on the Pat McAfee show. He said the Sixers just aren't there. They don't have the capacity to make that kind of move. And you'd have to think. Um, I, I do believe Kyrie sort of hinted that he wasn't going to retire. He whoever suggested that he like was it Chris Broussard and he put like the puppet emoji. So I think he was. <laughs> I think he was. I, I don't mean to call out Chris if I'm wrong. It was someone else, but I'm pretty sure he put a puppet GIF. Um, which I guess was his way of saying I'm not going to retire. But even if even if Kyrie Irving promised you on the phone, let's say you were Daryl Morey and you're thinking of trading Ben Simmons, who now has like 3.75 years remaining on a, on a max deal. Kyrie promised you I will play and I will resign. It would be difficult to stake sort of your Philly legacy on that bet, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, even the team he chose, the Nets, um, you know, he the, the reality is for one reason or another, he he hasn't been consistently able to show up. Now, when he has shown up, he's been amazing. He's probably played the best basketball of his career. But even before all this vaccine stuff, um, I'm sure I think the Nets had days where they questioned uh, signing him you know, because he, he took time off and, you know, seemed to kind of just do his own thing uh, a lot of the time. So if you're the Sixers and he didn't choose to come play with you, right. He, he wants to be in Brooklyn. We know that. And now you're trading for him um, coming off this Ben Simmons situation where he doesn't want to be there. Now you risk bringing in another star who may not totally want to be there. It's uh, it's a tough proposition, I think, if you're Daryl Morey. Yeah, I wouldn't feel good about it if I were him. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't want to give them Ben Simmons because going from 
divvying up Kyrie's minutes to a combination of DeAndre Bembry, Bruce Brown right now to, to Ben makes them really hard. Like even if Kyrie showed up from day one was balling out, you probably still need to swing another large trade to get into their, the Nets bracket. Whereas if you trade with any other team, you can simply narrow the gap with where the Nets are at right now. So there might be some hesitation for a team to trade with Brooklyn if they're competing with Brooklyn. Do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly it's hard. It's hard to pull off blockbuster deals with uh, your main competition. You rarely see that. Uh, and I don't know why this would be any exception. On the other hand, <clears throat> you know, the Sixers, uh, I don't know how how much you want to overthink it if you can get a superstar in return for Ben Simmons at this point. Um, you know, there there might be part of part of them that's tempted to just say, you know, let's get the best guy available. But uh, so, so I guess implied in this is that if you were the Nets, you would do it. I think I would do that one. Uh, I think, you know, we're approaching the December 15th deadline when, you know, a huge component of the league is suddenly eligible for trade. Uh, and I recently wrote that the Nets should at least begin making phone calls. There was a report, I think it was Ian Begley of SNY, who said at this point they are receiving calls. Maybe it was Shams who said the same thing. Um, receiving calls, not really being proactive or aggressive. So my, my point was basically you might not find a deal that you like between December 15th and the deadline on February 10th, whatever it is, but you should at least try. Because if there's one that helps you potentially avoid that scenario where he doesn't play again this season and then leaves in free agency for a team where he'd be eligible to play. That's a huge disaster because you get no help for Kevin Durant and James Harden, who we'll touch upon this in a minute, are leading the league in minutes, but you also lose Kyrie, like a max level player for nothing, unless you can get something okay and a sign and trade back. So it, it sort of puts the pressure on Sean Marks and them to, just canvas the entire league. Yeah, I I agree. And there's probably only a couple teams that would make sense. We talked about the Sixers. I'll throw another one out there since we're since we're doing uh, Kyrie Irving trades. And I've heard this one elsewhere, but I thought it was kind of compelling. And that is um, Kyrie Irving to Miami for maybe. Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, and a pick or something like that. There's room for negotiation in there, mm. but that mm. that would be the framework. That would be the framework of a deal, and you know you can see where if you're the Nets, you have James Harden and Kevin Durant. You know you're you're just looking. If you can't have Kyrie, um, Kyle Lowry is not a bad uh, not a bad plan B. And then if you're Miami, obviously you're you know. You're in you don't theory. have to explain it from that end. That's, that's <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I would be. I would not be excited about that from the Nets side. I, I would prefer to call fifteen other teams and get someone not as good as Kyle Lowry if it meant Kyrie didn't end up on a team who could beat me anyway. Come playoff time, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that would that would be something. I know you don't often want to think about. Am I sending him out of the conference? Things you hear more about with NFL, with the NBA. Like, it's really just about the return for your team. But the Heat, 
the Sixers, these teams at least represent teams where that's something that's on my mind. I'd much rather yeah. send Kyrie yeah. to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I agree with you. Uh, you have to you have to factor in. Are you strengthening your your competition? Um, but if I'm the Nets, you know, I'm 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 still feeling like I'm the best team if I can, you know, add to James Harden and Kevin Durant. And, and just before we move on to some like actual basketball stuff. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So you, you referenced it earlier. Brandon Robinson with Bally's wrote a little piece, uh, really breaking down some of the latest in terms of the Kyrie Irving situation. He doesn't want, it's not so much that he wants to be a voice for the voiceless. He's not anti-vax. He's not taking the stance to be a voice for the voiceless. He's just not trusting of the available vaccines. Among Irving's circle, the general consensus is that he's not anti-vaccination, um, his apprehension stems from pre-existing injuries, et cetera. I know he had a reaction to the screws that were placed in his broken kneecap at one point. Um, so I suppose that that could be his biggest reason for not being vaccinated at this point. Mistrust of how the vaccines would interact with his body. If you were approaching that deadline and, and you were no closer, do you think you would rather risk him changing his mind or the piece also referenced like a plant-based vaccine that's in clinical trials, some sort of change to the mandates or the vaccine itself or something in Kyrie's thinking, or would you take a trade that felt like it was really unfair, but it's better than losing him for, for nada? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's, uh, as we said, I mean, it, it, it's hard for him to change his thinking. I mean, you're getting a little bit of insight that he's concerned um, and is basing this in part on his own health history. I remember hearing about that, how he had a staph infection when they uh, removed screws from his knee or put screws in. I don't remember what it was, but um, sounds like he's factoring in a number of different things. And... I don't know how how the dynamics are where if they were to trade Kyrie, how that might um, how that might ruffle Kevin Durant's feathers. Obviously, they went there together. But that part of it aside, I think um, you know, it would make a lot of sense for them to explore it. Um, and and you know, that's part of why you made the James Harden deal in the first place is that, you do have some insurance on Kyrie Irving with Harden there. Yeah, they and, made that deal um, right when Kyrie was out for like eight games with personal reasons, and we as fans really didn't know why. So you wonder how exactly. much of that was insurance, yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense uh, for them to see what they can – see what's available there um, because – you know, with with the plant-based vaccine, uh, that's probably not going to resolve itself, at least this season. And, uh, you know, you don't know what that will look like even even next year if if it passes uh, all of the necessary uh, stations it needs to get there. Yeah, the whole thing is in flux. Like, I think Canada just passed a rule where you have to be vaccinated to get in. So anyone who's not vaccinated can't play now in Toronto either. Um, so, you know, plenty of 
plenty more change. If you just expect things to continue to change, it's probably a safe bet. As of right now, if nothing were to change, cleaning the glass says the Nets are looking like about a 51-52 win team. 538 likes <laughs> the Bucks, Suns, and Jazz, but not the Warriors, surprisingly, over the Nets for, for the finals. And Vegas, as in the odds-on favorites, says the Nets are still the favorites, followed by the Warriors and Bucks. Um, do you, what do you think of this team as is? Do you think they could win the title? What would you say is the most realistic outline for them if nothing changes with Kyrie? I think they could definitely win the title. Um, <clears throat> I think the idea of them as a title team as currently constructed is, is based on the premise that James Harden is going to return to being, uh, you know, a top eight, top, top eight player, maybe even a top five player. And what would you um, say so, he's been so far? It's tough. I mean, it's tough to compare him to other players because you're so caught up in comparing him to himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, his so, own shadow I mean, all year. <laughs> his own shadow. Right. Exactly. I mean, certainly not top 10, probably not, not even top 25. Um, and yet here they are, as you, as you mentioned, amongst the, amongst the presumptive favorites. So I think if he can uh, kind of find his footing, then there's no one they can't beat. I mean, we've talked about it before. They might have the best player in the league. If Harden is uh, a worthy sidekick to that, then, you know, I think they can beat anyone. Um, if not, then, you know, I would probably say that they're in a tier with Miami and Milwaukee is, is the favorite in the East. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So Nick Claxton has returned and he, he's looked pretty good. He, he gives them this dimension that LaMarcus Aldridge, as awesome as he has been, does not in terms of switching. Um, mm -hmm. So you're looking for help because Kevin Durant's third in the league in minutes and he's making some of these quotes where he's saying like, I want to play 48 minutes a night. And then you hear Steve Nash saying like, I would love to buy him a rest. Finally, they do ahead of that game against the Rockets. Um, but James Harden is right behind him, 10th in the league in minutes. And you're just wondering like, is this sustainable? I mean, can they rely on those two playing these types of minutes at their age and then getting help one night from Patty Mills, one night, James Johnson, one night, Nick Claxton. Um, do you ever feel like this team could just hit a wall? Like even if, even if there was a minor injury to one of their stars, could they just lose like seven games in a row? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, like you said, um, it's there's not a lot of room for error right now. They're relying on a lot of guys that, you know, you probably just never imagined a, a, a title contending team would be relying on. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, but but there's a lot of thin teams. I mean, Miami's really thin. They just lost uh, Bam. Jimmy Butler's been out. So, Brooklyn, you know, this – yeah. Yeah, I mean, this happens. This happens throughout the course of the year. I think, um, as Brett Brown once once said, it's all about landing the plane in in May and June. I mean, there'll probably be periods throughout the year where uh, 
you know, where they're short or they're thin. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure Nash is concerned with the minutes, but, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of hearing from Durant and it kind of paints a picture where he wants to be out there. So it's not really surprising. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I find it very, very surprising because this team was extremely cautious a season ago. I know we talked a little bit about it on the last pod. Uh, and now, you know, with the exception of when he hurt his shoulder and got a, a bought a rest game and now the back-to-back in Texas, um, they really have not, you know, K- KD said the other day, like, I give, I give Steve a look and he knows not to take me out. Um, because I'm feeling really good. I know they need me. And so I got to be out there. Um, But it's just, it's night and day from a season ago where just one of them would be sitting no matter what, pretty much 17 and seven at this point in first place. It feels like when you watch them, it feels sometimes like a best case scenario because they've gotten blitzed basically by some of the best teams, warriors, the bucks, the heat, the Bulls have now beat them twice. One of those was a blowout. Um, I tallied it up. I forget what it is. But basically, the teams that they've lost to have won twice as many games as they've lost. And all the teams that they've beat have bad losing records combined. So they're feasting on, on the lesser teams. And when they have these test games, they have not fared nearly as well. Um, so I don't know exactly what to expect of this team moving forward. Like over the next 20 games, it's hard to know where they, where they end up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's this, uh, so we've got, we're about a quarter of the way through, just over. Um, yeah. you, just over. you mentioned they're on a, on a, about a 50 game win pace, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, I, I would expect them to stay in that range as long as um, Durant is playing like this. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, a lot of it will depend on health. Um, We'll see how much Claxton being back helps. And, um, you know, I would expect them to be a top four seed uh, as we come down the home stretch at worst. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they got some tough ones coming up. Portland at Lakers at Clippers, Sixers, Clippers. Yeah. Um that 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 that'll be that'll be a good test, I think. Um we'll see if Durant really wants to go for the MVP. I think that'll be interesting. You know, last year last year the story was it's amazing what he's doing one year removed from the Achilles. This year, I think would you would you say right now for MVP it's Steph one KD two seems like that's kind of the consensus. Yeah, I think in the last week that we talked about it, Steph made he opened up his lead. Um, I mean the Warriors are just on on a tear, and it's hard to see. Like even if they dropped off, I think they're still they have more than a little error, and and Clay Thompson might play soon. So I don't know where he's at, but. Uh, I don't love Kevin Durant's chances of winning that MVP at this point. Yeah, it, it was interesting when um, after Golden State handled the Nets pretty easily, what was it a week or two back, maybe two weeks, uh, where Nash basically said, that team's on a different level than us. I, I found that surprising. 
Um, not sure if he was just trying to downplay his own team, but uh, or if he or if he just has a lot of admiration for Golden State. But I was surprised that he didn't uh, view them as in the same tier, at least publicly. Yeah, it's. I think that that was he does do quite a bit of of the underdog thing, but I think that that was honest. Um, he he does talk a lot about chemistry and continuity and. James Harden echoed this sentiment with that, with that team that even though they have a bunch of new faces, like they know who their identity is. They know what their team spirit is. Whereas the Nets have 10 new players. And so they're, they're sort of figuring out, like they don't even know on a given night, if Bembry is going to play like 15 minutes or 25 minutes. And, And you see when they, when they played the Mavericks, like Harden is trying to get by his man two people cut from the exact same spot and they all converge in the lane at the exact same time. They don't all, they're not on the same page offensively and, and Nash knows that's going to take time. And he's talked about it a lot. God. Yeah. Now that makes sense. All right. Um, I think that's co- probably a good place to wrap. Do you have, do you have any other, um, any things that you're really keeping an eye on? Like, so coming up on the schedule at Hawks, at Pistons, Raptors, Sixers, what are you thinking over the next little stretch? Any any players you want to keep an eye on? Any uh, themes that you're really looking to? Anything from around the league? Um, no, I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, just, uh, December 15th, obviously, is when um, the entire league is eligible to be traded. So, you know, we'll see how that opens things up. We, we touched on some of the Ben Simmons talks. Um, I'll be curious, uh, Indiana has recently indicated they're looking to make some big moves with some of their guys. So, you know, it's always, it's always fun when there's, um, you know, some movement around the league and, and that's something I'll be looking at over the next, uh, week to, to couple months. How about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. The Indiana one was surprisingly concrete. Like they're looking to rebuild. You don't usually hear a report like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one where, you know, there's probably not a lot of teams that are trade partners with them, but, you know, they can be they can be uh, in, a, in a multi-team trade. There's a lot that can happen with those guys, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, Greg, thanks so much for hopping on, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Appreciate it, Dave. Talk to you soon.